The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Support for Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast comes from Remax Commercial. The Remax Commercial Global Network can help you adapt to changing markets, evolve with new technology, and maximize your investments across all property types. Go commercial with confidence. For more information, visit www.remaxcommercial.com. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Ryan McKenzie, CCIM, Vice President with Kidder Matthews. He joins us to detail the challenges and opportunities in the industrial space in the Los Angeles area following the global pandemic. With low vacancy and persistent demand, the sector remains strong. McKenzie discusses other pressing topics in CRE, like technology, AI, and infrastructure. Thanks for joining us on Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the uh, podcast. To start, Let's discuss your hometown, the market of Los Angeles. The supply chain has obviously been an economic boogeyman for many folks the past couple of years. You know, in a general sense, how has the industrial sector fared in Southern California? I think it's fared fairly well. You know, the past few years, there has been a real sort of gold rush for the industrial product. Um, it really went into hyper desirable mode in the past couple of years with um Consumers, I guess, being at home and large retailers needing the extra space to ship products to customers close by. So industrial is kind of the darling product type. And, you know, I've seen prices go up drastically and I'm even shocked that, um, you know, they uh, people are still paying them. But some of the big companies that need the space, they... Um, have it built into their metrics where it is still a viable um, solution to getting to their customers. And so it's been really interesting over the past few years to see uh, how it has changed uh, in Southern California. Do you see the trend cooling or is it more a matter of being less less red hot? I do think it might be less red hot. Uh, There is still a driving need for space. You know, there's certainly sticker shock when a tenant when their lease comes to market and they go, wow, I'm now paying an extra 50 cents a square foot or more for what I have been paying for for the past five years. There seems to be no slowdown for large product, you know, a class A industrial product. The older properties, you know, more of the functionally obsolete properties or properties that have extra office space, you know, flex properties, they those are sort of sitting a little bit longer, but the need for industrial is still very high. And in you know Los Angeles, we're still only at a 3% vacancy rate. And that has ticked up from, I think it was close to one, you know, and, and so I have heard that 3% is probably a healthier vacancy rate for the marketplace to actually uh, do deals. So... I don't think that it's going to slow down. I, I am seeing prices cooling a little bit, but deals are still being done. And I don't foresee anything stopping that in the near future. 
backing up to when after the the first wave of the pandemic abated, did you see demand kind of disperse from kind of central locations out to to suburbs and exurbs, or is the demand still primarily located in those highly desirable places? I have seen people moving further and further out, but they have good reason to, or they don't feel the need to pay the uh, highest prices being them, uh, you know, in the closer portions to the city. I don't think that anybody really has made an active intention to move their business out to the outskirts because most of the time you have employees that you're working with and you don't want to lose your employees. Now, if you have expansion space and you can think, well, you know, perhaps I can put some of my product further out 10, 15, 20 miles outside of maybe where our headquarters might be. Um, and you can decide to pay those prices. That might be a solution, but I don't believe that there has been a real driving interest in moving out towards the outskirts with the exception of places like Inland Empire, where you have very large buildings, million square foot buildings, and retailers that need distribution space, um, they just need those big product type properties. So uh, I, I would kind of say it depends, <laughs> unfortunately. With a market as big and complex, I'm sure it's it's uh, there's a lot of variables that are that are in play here. And you mentioned some of the properties that maybe are either on their way to being outdated or, you know, fairly outdated. Is there an appetite for renovation for investing in those properties? Yeah, there is. I, I sold the property here, I don't know, three months ago. It was 25,000 feet. So not necessarily a huge property, but the majority of the property was 12 to 14 foot clearance. And we took a real good look at literally raising the roof. And uh, ultimately that wasn't going to make sense for the property, but you see some of the large REITs running around buying old product, old buildings that maybe had a history of manufacturing that didn't need high clear, and they're knocking them down and building new product. So if you can get buildings or enough land, uh, maybe an assemblage large enough to make that make sense to buy something and knock it down or you get a good enough deal, we're definitely seeing that. I don't know that there's a return on investment that makes it make sense to raise a roof yet, but there's definitely a need for a different kind of product, let's say, um, where the old 12, 14 foot, even 16 foot clearance buildings, the users would prefer something double that clearance. Yeah, I think that's that's a refrain talking to to the experts, you know, I think regardless of the sector, it's that, you know, if the market's changing, if the market's difficult, you know, creativity is one way that can that can solve problems that if you're thinking outside the box a bit. Yeah, I mean. One of the driving interests, you know, for properties like that is just installing a dock. You know, a lot of the old properties, they were built with grade level doors and <laughs> no docking, no, no even thought at that time for 53 foot trucks to be coming and going every day. And so if there's an opportunity and I've seen a driving interest for above ground dock loading, you know, um, a prefabricated dock that they can drop in and maybe some excess land. Uh, that's that's desirable as well. And obviously, Los Angeles being a major port in the U.S., how have shipping trends changed in the wake of, of COVID and how has that affected the CRE market? Yeah, I um, I work predominantly north Los Angeles, so I don't get very heavily involved with the ports. But I will tell you that still a lot of my users have products coming into the ports and they had a real tough time during COVID. And, and that's a combination of Ports 
shutting down, um, the consumer ordering more online. And so there was a real backlog of product that was stuck there. I think that a lot of the maybe uh, developers have started looking at what can they do to move a lot of that port activity inland. I've heard rumors of kind of a, a, a dry port where they can bring in product, you know, um, I don't know, what is that, 30, 40 miles inland and then sort through. But I'm not sure that we necessarily have all of the infrastructure for that kind of process. But um, we are seeing, you know, that there's a, a, a new center called the World Logistics Center in Moreno Valley, where it's going to be one of the largest industrial developments um, in California and, and maybe and beyond that. Um, I think it, they're quoting 100 million square feet of, of, of developable land. Uh, I don't know how many buildings they can put on that, but there will be a lot, uh, a lot of space there where all that is going to be driving product inland in order to then get back to customers up and down the coast. Um, so it's interesting to see the need to store extra goods and product in some of these larger industrial buildings, million square foot buildings inland with the intention of supplying the customer base in the major cities. As far as I know, the ports now are, are back to being pretty healthy. But one of their challenges was just being able to offload all of the goods in a manner that was efficient when they were already backlogged. But I've read recently that um, maybe with consumer spending, uh, being more conservative with inflation, whatnot, that maybe there's not as much goods coming in and a drive for product. Um, but really, I'm, I'm not the port expert. Casey Conway, CCM's uh, chief economist, he's long kind of, you know, been been uh, sounding the siren for greater investment in American infrastructure. Looking at Southern California, it's got trains, it's got ports, it's got obviously a large uh, trucking is it a large trucking hub in Southern California? You know, how is the CRE market impacted by infrastructure, both good and bad? And if you had a wish list for investment in infrastructure, you know, what would you what would you include on that? It's interesting to look at how Los Angeles developed over time, but you know, most of North Los Angeles, and there's no real rail service up in our area. Most of the most of the product is moving on trucks going up and down the five, the five freeway. Uh, and to be honest, the five freeway is pretty beat up. So, you know, it, it's pretty tough to, to try and solve, you know, that, but I would say maybe looking forward, the next thing will be electric trucking. And you see lots of, of companies developing this, be it long haul trucking or be it, um, you know, deliveries close by the challenges that I have heard from these companies is getting enough power to really charge these trucks um, in order to keep them operational at all times. Um, so being able to get the appropriate electricity supply, you know, um, sometimes just, just trying to pull extra power to a building uh, I actively advise clients to not attempt this because it takes so long and it, it takes so much time. But at least um, if we can 
develop on the the grid to supply electric trucks. Uh, that might be an interesting direction for you know for for the industrial sector in Los Angeles alone. Um, you know, as I say, there there is that discussion about bringing product inland and and to these interesting distribution hubs. Um, but I I would say uh, you know at the end of the day, we keep ordering more and more products, and and there's trucks going every which way delivering them. And we need to kind of think about how we're going to be supplying these electric trucks, which will be on their way. And meanwhile, last year, if you had an electric car, you were asked not to charge your electric car during certain hours of the day in Los Angeles. So uh, I would say that Casey's (laughs) definitely has a point there as far as investment in, in, in that section. And obviously being a commercial real estate expert and not a futurist, you, you can't pick the exact date, but you know, when would you say that these electric trucks, you know, when is that going to be kind of the primary mode of distribution in the area? I would say that local deliveries will certainly be first because you can, you can charge the fleet and the, the distance needed to travel is far less. I think that long haul will take longer to be realized because the battery systems that you need for these trucks, and I'm also not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a electrical engineer here, but I do understand that you know the battery systems take a long time to charge, and so to keep the product moving, you know, long haul, you need heavier and larger batteries. I would say, you know, to answer your question, that the local deliveries we're already seeing some of these trucks rolled out. I don't know if it's the next year and a half or two years where they start to become more prevalent. You know, I can, I can see bakeries using these. I can see local bank pickup groups that, that just, they're doing, they're doing quick stops through the city. I can see those being used almost immediately. But when you start to go longer and longer distances, I think that some of these larger electric car companies have had success because they have built in the network of charging capacity. But if you only have one location to charge your trucks and you have a breakdown, well, then what? You know, and, and that's that's a limiting factor for, I think, some of these fleet vehicles that will be running through the city. But I don't think that we're more than a couple of years away from seeing a significant portion of them. Yeah. And you recently wrote a piece in Forbes, speaking of technology and its impact on commercial real estate, where you mentioned AI and its potential impact on the industry. And, you know, we're hearing about developments every every day, every hour. What primary benefits do you see? And then also, you know, what negative impacts could potentially affect commercial real estate? This is one of those things where I think it, this, this is like a science fiction story here where I can imagine a lot of different applications for this. But some of the most, I think some of the closer um, solutions that we'll see are tools for maybe commercial real estate practitioners, um, you know, developing contracts and, and, uh, writing, uh, contracts, organizing schedules, organizing the actual practice of commercial real estate. I think that you'll see a lot of that. You know, I already see AI, um, being advertised to rearrange your schedule. And, and, you know, I, I 
posted this on LinkedIn, but I, I gave it a, a test with one of the AI where I said, okay, write me a commercial real estate lease. And so it gave me a 10 point, pretty simple lease. You know, it, it, it doesn't have all of the words and it didn't go into cam structure and it didn't go into maintenance responsibilities, but you know, it, it produced a lease for me and I can see, you know, um, some company coming along, especially if they're already in the contract realm to say, okay, if, if I can instruct a, a software to write me a, a lease very quickly, I think that that would be a, uh, something that we'll see, you know, be a, a significant time saver for practitioners. But also, you know, if I think about, I have heard AI is described as a really good research assistant. So, you know, the same way that we think about maybe putting filters on searching for properties where, okay, I want to get an email every morning of all the properties that fit this criteria. I think what we'll see is if I can tell AI to search for properties across the nation that are, you know, X cap rate, but also the rents need to be 20% under market and it can go actively filter things beyond just the basic criteria. I think, I think that we'll start to see more and more um, research capabilities and response function from AI in order to deliver quality um, data quicker. And that, you know, at the end of the day, professionals still are professionals because they have the experience and the oversight for information to say, okay, well, this is a good deal. That's a bad deal. And we got to look out for things like this. I don't know that AI is necessarily going to have an understanding of what, you know, what a, a good deal or a bad deal is, um, or maybe look out for this environmental challenge for this type of property. But I am seeing already people posting that they have been able to adapt AI to do a, a discounted cash flow analysis for them and then write recommendations on the property. So um, it's on the horizon, definitely. And I do think that if you're not playing with it now, you, you may be left behind. But at the same time, the business is still people and, and you know, four brick walls and a need to, to have space. And um, this research assistant, this AI research assistant might make things easier, but it still needs oversight. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, but certainly I'm seeing more and more people playing with it and more and more companies developing it. And um, we'll, we'll see. It's exciting and interesting to see how that <laughs> helps or maybe hinders us. I, I don't know. <laughs> there, as I say, it's science fiction, so uh, it could end up negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think that's a great point is that, you know, it, it definitely is a buzzword now. But it's definitely something to keep your eye on, but it's also... I think it's important to kind of look at what it can do for us right now. And if it is scheduling, if it is kind of, as you say, as an assistant role, I think that's, that's a much, uh, a much easier concept to understand than, you know, the stuff we see in science fiction movies, that's gonna, that's, you know, gonna take over the world. It could easily be planning your tour schedule where it goes and it grabs the address, pulls it in, assembles the time you know, and it organizes your day and notifies the client at the same time and confirms your calendars. I mean, it, 
it's all the little things that, you know, just take time and administration that will be taken care of. You know, is it going to be able to judge, you know, a, a really fantastic opportunity for you? You know, there's so many subjective issues for things like that, that I don't know if it will be able to uh, accomplish that, but we'll give it time and we'll see. Yeah. Well, great. Well, for, for my last question, moving away from business a bit, uh, you had mentioned that you're an avid sailor. Uh, and while I'm, I'm someone who prefers his, his feet on dry ground, um, I got to think that I got to think that's super exciting. And I, I'm just wondering, you know, what lessons do you take? What, what have you learned, you know, uh, out on the water that, to, that you can apply to, to your life and business? <laughs> I think the softball that is uh, is know when to weather the storm or when to approach that storm. But there is a um, a famous sailboat racing team that eight years ago. I mean, it's a professional race crew, professional boat doing the Volvo Ocean Race, and you know all, all of the best technology, all of the best digital tools, the best boat that shockingly ran aground in the middle of the night, in the middle of the ocean. And what the situation was is that they were using the modern day chart plotting software. And so when you use this, you you look at your charts on a computer screen. And when you zoom out, you lose detail. When you zoom in, you get extra detail. So what it is, is they zoomed out and they see that they're in the middle of the ocean but they didn't see the reef because it wasn't being shown to them from that perspective. And so I think that, you know, tying back into what we were just talking about with AI, you can utilize all the newest technology and also find pitfalls and challenges where maybe the good old fashioned paper charts work just the same and just as well. Um, so at the end of the day, I do believe that commercial real estate is very much a people business, a relationships business. Um, you know, all this fancy new technology really doesn't solve you listening to your client and anticipating challenges and understanding the inner workings of a deal where, you know, the addition of technology may speed things up, but it may also cause significant challenges that really a professional's oversight is, is needed. And so I think that that's kind of, you know, if I was to use the uh, modern day technology and sailing reference, that that's probably it. You know, you can have all the fancy stuff, but at the end of the day, um, we're still people doing business here. So, you know, that it's experience and, and intuition, I think that gets a deal done. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, um, well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. And thanks for, for all the details you offered on, on everything. Yeah. Sure. Well, happy to uh, be on this podcast and uh, happy to answer some questions. And thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate. 